0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Our Holy Gospel, the Holy Ghost, is cause-recorded for this festival day in Luke chapter 24, uh, here, again, just these verses. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was that while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? And we pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Amen. God's word is a lamp my feet and a light to my path it is the completely reliable prophetic word no prophecy of Scripture has ever come about from someone's own interpretation in fact no prophecy ever came by the will of man this is what we are commemorating today the clear and reliable prophetic words of Scripture that are able to make one wise for salvation guarding and keeping them on the path To eternal life. They are the source of faith and life. And it's why 500 years ago, Martin Luther translated the Bible into German. For him, the language of the people. He published the New Testament, his version of the New Testament, in September of 1522. So it's sometimes called the September Testament. His guiding principles were that Scripture is clear, it is effective and powerful, it is true. It is inspired by God, and it is all about Christ. God's Word is a light for my path. But a light only helps if I can see. In our Gospel lesson, we have two men walking on a path but unable to see. Now, keep in mind, this is is happening on Easter Sunday, and it had been a turbulent week. Sunday prior they had welcomed their king into Jerusalem and with their knowledge of scripture up to that point they had now hoped that that now would be the time that he would finally overthrow the government, make his kingdom on earth, grant them peace and happiness uh, and and grant them everything uh, that they thought scripture had, had promised them. And yet, just three days earlier the same Jesus had been crucified. So now here they are, arguing and debating, reasoning, Luke says, why what they thought would happen did not happen. And on top of all, they've heard rumblings and rumors from women who had seen angels, something that cannot happen. And they know that the religious leaders, because they crucified their leader, well, they're next. So They're fleeing. They're getting out of town, walking seven miles to a, a city called Emmaus. Scripture is a light for their path. It's clear. But their eyes are shut. So they leave the company of the other disciples full of unbelief. And they have the worst sort of fellowship, a fellowship in unbelief, a fellowship away from the church, the body of Christ, the body of believers. But it's at this moment, when they are reasoning themselves out of Faith trying to control the text of Scripture, because God words, God's Word has not fulfilled their expectations of what they thought it said. It's at this moment that along comes our Lord. He draws near to them and goes with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know Him. It wasn't Christ who had been changed, nor was it will, was it His will to remain unknown to them. But their hearts and thoughts had become estranged and far removed from his. They had come with preconceived notions to the texts of Scripture. They even say, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. But they say in despair, but today is the third day since he is dead. One of the criticisms Luther, uh, of Luther translating the New Testament, the Bible, is that, well, Well, now Scripture is open to interpretation. You can have as many different interpretations of Scripture as the Bible as there are people. And so they say, that's the reason why we have so many churches today. But that's actually the opposite of what Luther actually did. Because before this, the Bible had to be interpreted only by trained clergy. And the authority to say what Scripture said, what Scripture means, rested in certain people. But Luther places the authority back on Scripture. Luther's translating of the Bible into German makes it clear that, first of all, we are to know the, the text, the words, of Holy Scripture. In Luther's preface to his translation of the New Testament, on the basis of Psalm 119, which is the reason why we've been We've been singing this psalm the last three days. Luther explains how to do this, uh, how to rightly read Scripture, and how to see Jesus. Oratio, meditatio, tentatio. Or that is, prayer, meditation, and infectum. Or temptation, affliction, suffering. So, first, we are to pray that God, through Christ, may give us his Holy Spirit, who will enlighten us, lead us, and give us understanding. Only the Holy Spirit, only he, can cause our hearts to burn within us. Second, we are to meditate. And this is not just something that we do in our heart, but externally, by actually repeating out loud the words, by hearing them preached, and then reading and rereading them with diligent attention and reflection. Otherwise, without understanding the words, Luther says that we'll we'll be like fruit, like like an apple that falls to the ground before it's ripe. We are to see the very words and grammar God used, to see the context, and only then are we to ask, what does this mean? We don't ask that before we know the words. For scripture cannot mean something other than what God intended. There cannot be more than one contradicting interpretation of scripture. But again, the authority to say that does not rest in us, but in the very words of God. And saying that, affirming that, will cause us suffering. Because that very thing is offensive and prideful to modern ears. There's only one truth how dare you be so presumptuous and and close-minded? But rather, to submit to Scripture is to humble ourselves before God. So the third way, Luther says, to read Scripture is with tentatio, affliction. And not only affliction from without, from the world, but also internal affliction. If we do not wrestle with Scripture's revealing of my sin and guilt, if I do not find myself unrighteous and unjust according to the standard of Holy Scripture, if I am not guilty, then I have no need for Christ. If I believe that I have no need for for God's church or, or, or for the fellowship of believers because I have me and my Bible, I have not wrestled with it or read it like I ought. Now this really speaks to our modern day, doesn't it? Because in our day, we, we really like to have just a, just a me and my Bible approach to Scripture. Where the Bible means whatever the Bible means to me. You know, it's seen in phrases like, I know it's God's will because everything is falling into place, or that the Lord laid it on my heart, or, or I just know God is telling me something. But that's to want God to speak to you apart from the words of Scripture, Right? It's to join a study group and ask, well, what does this mean to you? Or it's to read Scripture like a yearbook. You, know, you, you flip through a yearbook and, and you try to find who? Yourself, right? Rather than, than Jesus. It's to read Scripture as, as your light without realizing that Scripture is also your path. It's to take Jesus as your source without realizing that Jesus is also your destination and, and your way. It's to believe that merely reading Scripture, the act of reading Scripture works ex opera operato, that is, from the work worked, uh, that I don't need uh, a communion, that, that I, I merely gain something just, just by doing the act of reading. I don't need to walk with a group of fellow believers. I have Jesus already. But again, these just me and my Bible disciples on their way to Emmaus, what do they do? They don't recognize Jesus. So Jesus shows them, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I've no doubt that on the maybe last five or so miles of this trip, Jesus began with Adam, explaining how he was the new Adam, the the new man who came to perfectly fulfill what Adam had undone, including even suffering death that Adam had won. I have no doubt that he, that he talked about the promised son to be born of a woman, a son who would be stricken by the devil, but, but who would crush the devil's head. I have no doubt that he, that he talked about the, the son of Abraham, the seed of Abraham, and, and how God's institution and instruction for Abraham to, to sacrifice his only son, and then the substitute ram God offered, appointed forward to the moment Jesus would sacrifice himself as our substitute on the cross. Or how the great event of Passover with the lamb's blood painted on the doorpost, uh, saving God's people from slavery and death, was merely a type of what was to come. How the Levitical ceremonies in the temple, the, the vestments, the incense, the, the veil were all shadows of the, the things to come. But the reality is found in Christ. And then moving on for Moses and all the prophets, because they're all scripture. Jesus shows us how to interpret Scripture. We are to see Him. All Scripture is about Him. But notice, even after Christ expounded Scripture to them, their eyes were still shut. They even had their own personal Jesus to speak to them. They had taken, uh, but they had taken Scripture into their own hands. Seeing it, in it what they already perceived, that Christ was dead. He was not the one to save them. They read scripture, but they could not recognize Jesus because because to them, Christ was only a mouth. He was only something that makes sound. Can you imagine how depressing a marriage would be if you married only your spouse's mouth? instead of the whole person? Christ is not only a mouth. Christ is the word and God's ultimate communication to man, but he is not merely information. He's not merely words. Christ is still, after the resurrection after all, he still is true man. True man with flesh and blood. The body. His body is the church. In communion, even as it receives from him his own crucified and risen flesh and blood. And so here's the comfort. Jesus reveals himself in his body to you, to his church, to us. He does not leave us alone. He does not leave us in our tentatio, our affliction. He abides with us through his body. And so whenever we read scripture, we we do not read them alone. No scripture is of someone's private interpretation. Rather, Luther's understanding and, and scripture's own understanding about itself, of God's word, is that God works in, with, and under the words of Holy Scripture. And and more than that, God works through means. God works through the pastoral application of the external word. That is through preaching and through the sacraments, the visible words. As Jesus sat at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight when we become participants in the unity of his body, we are given the liberty, the freedom of knowing Christ, not just as a mouth, not just as information or words, but the whole person, and thus all of Scripture. Christ abides with us. He's the word of God incarnate, the light for your path, even the path itself, the way, the truth, and the life. He's also your destination. So let us humble ourselves to the source of God's word. For in this book, the honor is God's alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever, shall be, forevermore. Amen.